Good morning, CCV family. It's so good to be gathered with you today. Uh, for those of you who are from other parts of the country or world in Pennsylvania here, we're in complete lockdown. So we're doing church out of our homes and we're gathering together. And I just think um, it's just really cool that technology will allow us to do that. And so question, are you going stir crazy? Like I'm going stir crazy. Thank God. Can I get an amen? Thank God this didn't happen during football season. Uh, that would have been bad. So, you know, we can live without hockey and basketball and even the Olympics, but football, that's a different story. You know who I'm really feeling sorry for right now? You know, I'm, I'm sending out uh, good wishes and prayers and feelings. Those of you who are parents and grandparents with school-aged children at home right now. Number one, you have to occupy them. And number two, you're in charge of their schoolwork like all day now. And so I have a feeling many of you can identify with this mother's prayer. Take a look. Let us pray. Father God, I am a child of God. What I am not is a homeschool teacher, God. I'm at home, but Lord, ain't no teaching going on around here. Father God, I am your humble servant. What I am not is a math teacher, God. Lord God, the spirit of common core has attacked our household. And right now, the only thing we have in common is frustration and no answer to the math problem, Lord God. I ask that you send down your angels of the carryover, Lord. Teacher, that if you carry the one over to the tenth place, you can get the answer, Lord God. Lord God, I am a layman in your vineyard. What I am not is the cafeteria lady, Lord. Yet again, the devil has attacked and sent down a tapeworm onto my child, Lord God. And I need you to help her to understand, Lord, that just because there's a refrigerator don't mean the door got to be open. And just because there's a stove don't mean the eye has to be on. I am not Dennis, IHOP, Shoney's, nor Waffle House, Lord God. Lord God, right now, I need her to understand that his times are tough right now, Lord God. But I see if things continue the way that they are going, Lord God. Not only am I your child, but I'm going to be an inmate because I'm going to jail, Lord God. I, I don't look good in orange. I don't look good in a jumpsuit, Lord God. But Lord, I ask that you, that you change the way things are going right now, Father God, and bless every teacher because they got a special place in heaven. Ain't no way that I could do it, Lord God. Ain't no way. Amen. 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 I love that. Not only am I your child, but I'm going to be an inmate. Anyway, some of you can probably resonate with that, but you're going to get through this. And today what I want to do is I want to share one of the most powerful sections of scripture in the entire New Testament. And before I do that, what I want to do is I'm going to give you a little background. So the background of this passage we're going to look at is that the Apostle Paul and his friends have jumped into a boat. They have gone then in the boat through the Aegean Sea over to Greece, and they've, they've gone by city to city to city, and they eventually come to this city called Corinth, where they start a church, and they're there for a year and a half. I want to pause there and say, um, it, no doubt there are going to be kids in the room watching this, and if, if you're a kid and you love to draw, grab some pens and crayon, uh, crayons, and I want you to draw a picture of a big boat on the ocean, and waves are going crazy, and there are big fish underneath the boat. I want you to draw a picture of the boat with Paul, his friends, and Jesus in the boat. And I'd love to put a picture of you in there, too. And when you get, do, when you get done with that, if you can ask your parents to snap a photo of that, 
and put that on Facebook. I loved all the pictures that I saw last week, and I would love to see him again. So, was, so Paul and his friends get to, get to Corinth. They're there for a year and a half, and then Paul leaves, gets onto another boat, and goes to another city to start another church. While he's gone, someone brings Paul a letter. And this letter said, hey, since you've been gone, new leaders basically have, have come, they've gone in, on, uh, over the ocean and they've come into our church and they're messing things up. They're coming from a Jewish background and they're telling everybody that they have to get circumcised. They have to obey the Sabbath and eat kosher food laws, um, eat, eat kosher food and things like that. But most importantly, they're really, these leaders are talking smack about the Apostle Paul because the, he is not a refined Greek speaker. And so Paul realizes that it's not just that they're criticizing him, that the survival of this church is at stake. And so what he does is he fires off this letter in defense of him, the founder. So what he does is he attacks all of the attacks that he's been getting. Now you're going to see very quickly why I'm reading this passage of scripture, but this letter that the Apostle Paul sent is what we call 2 Corinthians, and our scripture that we're going to look at today starts in chapter 11, beginning in verse 13. Let's read it together. Paul says, for such people, these are these leaders that have come into this church in Corinth, they're false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. And then Paul begins to brag. He says, I repeat, let no one take me for a fool, but if you do, then tolerate me just as you would a fool so that I may do a little boasting. These other leaders are boasting. Paul says, I'm going to boast. In this self-confident boasting, I'm not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way that the world does, I too will boast. Now look at what he says. You gladly put up with fools since you're so wise. Speaking of the people that have been led astray by these other leaders. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or even slaps you in the face. To my shame, Paul says in jest, I admit that we were too weak for that. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? Paul, then Paul says, I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been imprisoned more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times, he says, I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in dangers from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger now from false brothers. 
I have labored and toiled and have gone without food. For those of you who have been at CCV for a while, remember the series that we did before this, and we talked about how the Apostle Paul worked six days a week from sun up till sundown, bent over, um, uh, cutting leather for shoes and, and tents. That's what he's referring to. I've labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly boast? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Unlike these other leaders, I'm going to boast about the things that show my weakness. In fact, so he tells this story, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I'm not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aratus had the city of the uh, uh, Damascenes and people in Damascus guarded in order to arrest me. But I was so chicken, they lowered me in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through their hands. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. Why? Because these false teachers were talking about how they're so close to Jesus and Jesus is speaking to them all the time in dreams. Paul starts talking about himself now in the third person. Paul says, I know a man in Christ, he's speaking about himself, but he doesn't want to boast, who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Uh, Jews believe that there are different layers of heaven. So I was caught up to the closest throne room closest to God. And whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows, he says. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Now look what he says here. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. And because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from be, becoming conceited like these other leaders, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Some people think it's his eyesight. Some people think it was other, some other physical ailment, but something ha was, happened to Paul that he believed that the Lord allowed him to experience that to keep him humble because he was talking to Jesus so frequently. Here's the whole point of this scripture and what I want you to pay attention to. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Paul says, I delight in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Back in 2010, I had some uh, a weird neurological reaction in the back of my head. 
and uh, I went to um, a neurologist and went to another neurologist and I lost count of the number of people that I saw and specialists and tests and that sort of thing. It, it, the, the sensation was, um, it was called, ocip it was a rare form of what is called occipital neuralgia, which is basically an intense um, uh, pain in the, in, the, in the optic nerve in the back of my head. And it essentially, it felt like someone had stabbed me in the back of my head and didn't take the knife out for over a year. Uh, I lost three-fourths of the hearing in my left ear. And I just remember friends gathered around me and they just placed their hands on my shoulder and then they prayed that God would heal me. And you know what God did? Nothing. Then for one full year, I went downstairs to my basement, my basement office. And every single morning, I began the morning by getting down on my face and simply pleading with God for mercy. And after one full year of praying, do you know what happened? Nothing. After about a year, I moved from praying for healing to just enjoying being with Jesus. And I discovered in that process that just being with him was enough. The fact that he was with me, that was enough. I began to enjoy his presence so much that it just it didn't matter anymore whether or not he was going to heal me, which he didn't. His, as Paul says, his power rested on me and I got through it, but it's been 10 years and I'm still getting through it. Nothing's changed. Now, I bring that up because some of you are going through situations where you're praying, God, I need you to fix this. I need you to change this. I need you to, to heal. I need you to move. I need you to provide. And, and nothing is happening. Um, I just want you to know that um, oftentimes in these situations, we're like, God is wanting to teach me something. I love what the great spiritual writer Oswald Chambers said. He said in his book, My Utmost for His Highest, he said this, it, during these times, it, it, he said, it's not true to say that God wants to teach us something in our trials. Through every cloud he brings our way, he wants us to unlearn something. It's not that trials and difficulties are there simply to teach us things, and we do learn things from trials, but oftentimes God will allow difficulties and trials because he wants us to unlearn something. And I realized that what I had to unlearn was I always believed that in order me to, to, be, to function and to lead and to be a good husband and pastor, I had to be free from pain. I had to be able to be free from pain and free from difficulty in order to uh, focus. And what I, what I realized was this, what I had to unlearn was this. Life does not have to be free from pain and difficulty in order for us to experience joy. That's what I had to unlearn. Life does not have to be free from pain and difficulty in order for us to experience joy. You and I don't need everything to, in order to go our way in order to be happy. In fact, sometimes we're happier when things don't go our way. Oftentimes we'll go through something and three or four years down the road, we'll look back and, and we'll think to ourselves, 
that was actually one of the most satisfying experiences of my life, going through that difficult time. And it was in Greece that Paul was beaten and thrown into prison. And at midnight, he and his friend Silas are, are playing drums on their legs and playing air guitar and, and singing songs to God after they had been beaten almost to death. How does that happen? That happens from someone that has learned that his grace is sufficient. It's, it, it is enough. And so I don't know what you're going through right now, but maybe one of the greatest blessings of this entire situation that we're going through is that we're learning how much we don't need in order to be okay because he's with you right now. He's with us. All we need is Jesus and each other. Maybe Netflix, Netflix especially right now. But Jesus and each other, and we're going to be okay. So I have a question that I want you to, to discuss as, as soon as the service is over. I want in your, in your group, whoever you're with right now. And also for um, all of the groups that are meeting throughout the church, meeting through Zoom. And we want to encourage you, if you're not in a group, send a message through Facebook and we'll hook you up with a group. But we have groups that are meeting all throughout the church through Zoom, and we would love for you to be a part of that. So whether it's this morning, right after, right after I'm done talking and we've celebrated the Lord's Supper, or a part of your group, here's what I want you to do. I want you to read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 13. Read it together. Stop at chapter 12, verse 10. I want you to read that passage, and then I want you to go around and answer this question. Have you ever gone through a difficult situation and prayed for God to fix it, and he didn't? And when he didn't, how did you experience Jesus's power in that situation? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our brothers and sisters in Christ and homes all throughout the Philadelphia metro area, all throughout the country. We're so happy that we have uh, people in, in nursing homes in, in Maryland and people in uh, Kenya uh, joining us. But my heart, especially right now, goes to my friends that are a part of CCV that um, are experiencing so much fear and anxiety right now. God, help us to know that your grace is sufficient for us right now. Regardless what happens today, tomorrow, next week, next month, doesn't matter. Being with you is enough. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.